welcome back to All Roads Lead here. Um, I always want to say episode, but I'm not doing this episodically because, uh, I mean, it's not like, a, this isn't some crazy audiobook. So, uh, well, here we are. That was a lot of shinfo. Sorry. Uh, anyways, today I'm sitting down with my best friend, Christian Gonzalez. Uh, Christian Gonzalez plays guitar in a band called Kids, a pop band. They just released uh, a new record that they've been working for a really long time on. And we also talk about his career as a designer. Uh, he is a, um, well, I mean, he's a pretty well-known, uh, well, I guess not really well-known because you probably see his art, but you didn't really know it was his unless you follow him or see other people posting about it. Uh, he's done work with Childish Gambino, uh, some work with Dreamville, um, a couple projects with Amazon and Netflix, and uh, this podcast, we really just talk about his career and we also talk about the freelance industry as a whole, um, as far as also my, uh, dabblings in freelance. But another big thing that we, uh, dive into, which is a reason why I kind of rushed to get this together to talk with him because he recently was just kind of, um, I don't know if you say ripped off, but he basically helped a artist by the name of Marshmallow, who is about to embark on a tour with Demi Lovato. Um, he helped build a new rebrand for him. Uh, and we kind of go in depth about how basically he did all that for him, sent him a pitch deck uh, where he wanted to kind of take his design. They loved it. They asked for more. He sent them more for free. And they ghosted him and stole uh, pretty much all his ideas and just released the tour poster and, um, I guess direction of branding, uh, with no credit to him. And it, it's pretty incredible to see, uh, especially when the whole theme of this tour or whatever direction they're going in is, uh, mental health awareness. So taking advantage of small artists, uh, by bigger artists is truly an incredible sight to see, especially when those artists are, um, kind of, trying to seem like they're really mental health awareness people or, you know, for the cause when they refuse to pay smaller artists, uh, and let them work for free and then just completely ghost them. So yeah, we dive into that. Uh, this is some TMZ hours, I suppose, but that's something that runs uh, rampant in the freelance community, I guess. And, um, not, I guess I know a lot of people that have had this problem and, uh, it's kind of, it's kind of, um, you know, it sucks to hear, especially when someone you know that works so hard on these types of designs um, gets ripped off, especially with someone like Demi Lovato and Marshmallow, uh, two people who obviously have enough money to be able to pay designers and creatives. Anyways, I'll let the podcast speak for itself. Uh, here it is. Thank you. Here with Christian Gonzalez, Bad Boy Poppy. What's up, Christian? What's poppin', dude? So, tell us what you do. Uh, I am a visual artist, a.k.a. a creative director and designer. Uh, started out in Florida. I'm currently living in Los Angeles, California. Well, that's a, that's a step, huh? Yeah, it's a, it's a little bit, you know. The budgets get bigger, obviously, <laughs> but... Uh, the taxes also get bigger, so it kind of like, fucked if you do, fucked if you don't, so. <laughs> <laughs> well, so how did you start, well, how, how did you get to the, where you are now? Like, where did you start out? Because obviously we met 
loosely at the first uh, day by day show years ago. Yeah. But I mean, we've seen each other around for even years before then. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, kind of like a well, when I was playing uh, at the beginning stages of Day by Day with Ian and them, uh, I was my actual full time band at the time is this indie rock band called Kids, and a lot of the homies in that band were in the creative field or are in the creative field. So I remember going in the first tour with them kind of just like realizing oh shit you can actually make money just being a creative or just doing anything considered creative like so i kind of got it thrown into this production side of the world where i started as a key grip uh for an agency out there which goes by cni studios um but yeah so i essentially i was just a body there for a bit and then uh Went on to do like editor first AC for an agency out in Orlando, which that's when you and I started really like to hang out because yeah. I was living in Orlando at the time. But I realized I wasn't really satisfied with just being a body or helping someone else make money. Um, so I just kind of like taught myself in the after hours from my full full time job how to design and have like a different approach to it, how to mix mediums and shit like that, and. Uh, yeah, that kind of like all led to where I'm at today. Well, <laughs> I want to somehow get into the uh, the funny story of what happened with your um, with the job in Orlando because I think that's a very pivotal moment in your career. And then we'll get to the music stuff before that. But I feel like yeah, the pivotal moment in your career was when you yeah, started freelance. <laughs> So essentially, <laughs> essentially uh, I took this job out there uh, with the hope that this agency would uh, teach me design. And needless to say, I was only taught shortcuts. Like the boss at the time just brought me into the office. I was like, yeah, man, these are the shortcuts for this, this, and that. All right, have a good day. And like, I was like, yo, what the fuck? Like, this is literally not what I was... I guess promised or like kind of you know sold on. Mm -hmm. So out of nowhere, I think a couple months later, like the agency goes under, and then me and my homie get picked up by another agency, and they go under. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, dude, Florida agencies, why do they just suck ass at this point? <laughs> um, or at least the ones that I'm ending up in. Um, so I kind of just got forced into freelancing. And uh, lucky enough, like, when when that shit hit the fan, I had done a, I had done a graphic for Emily Oberg's Sporty and Rich brand. And I kind of had already, like, some sort of, like, I wouldn't say, like, heavy traction, but a little bit of traction when it comes to, like, that side of the industry. Mm -hmm. So whenever, like, the whole agencies went under kind of was like I lucked out with a retainer gig coming through and I was like busy for six months and ever since then it's kind of snowballed and I've just feel grateful that I've been lucky enough to have like retainer clients back to back from there but uh yeah man that shit was horrible was <laughs> yeah I mean that was a pretty that was a pretty I mean I remember especially because there's a lot going on and it was like you were really excited about starting freelance and then it was like 
you would have these awesome freelance gigs, but then it was like you had a gap where you were like really freaking out. So I, I'm trying, that's what I'm in the middle of doing right now is trying to just build up my freelance clientele. And it's like, you never know. I'm just trying to build up my portfolio as much as I possibly can. Dude, it's brutal, man. Cause like, I mean, it was to the point that like Move Garcon, like this, the brand that Matt and I have, not only did it start from like, like mental health awareness and stuff like that, I was going through it tough and like having no money. So I was like, fuck, maybe like this is the time for me to try to start like my own clothing brand and like learn how to screen print at home. And yeah. dude, I think you came over to my house when I was, it looked like I was cooking crack, but with paint. Yeah. There was so and much was paint just, everywhere. Like, yeah. It was brutal. But, you know, like, I mean, like, that's the whole point. Like, I think freelancing, it's it's not about the W's, but it's about, like, the grind and the, the crap we go through just to, like, make a paycheck. Well, I mean, yeah, because that, that's, like, where I'm at. It's, like, I've always done photos and video in the time being, but it's, like, now that we have the pandemic going on, it's, like, you sit and you just think about how much you should, like, or what you can do or how you can build up yeah. your portfolio. And that's why I've just been, like, nonstop doing – stupid stuff and starting the podcast but um before we dive more into the creative side let's talk about uh not just like your hardcore band days but also with kids because obviously the new record just came out and i'm assuming that it was a very good um reception to it yeah <laughs> yeah dude oh i mean music wise there ain't shit going on right now boy Shit, I know, ain't nobody touring. Yeah. No matter how much people want to, like, advertise these festivals and, like, these tours, I don't think that's going to happen. I mean, like, everyone's thinking, like, late 2021, early 2022, but I guess let's play with people's emotions. Like, sure, why not? Yeah. But musically, it all started, man, like, way back. I think the first hardcore show I ever went to was with Bishop. was a Bishop show. <laughs> at the Classic Tom Florida. Dude. That couldn't be any more Florida. Was no the score on it too? <laughs> and that's where I grew my hate towards Matt Burns because he picked on me at the fucking door. That's amazing. Uh, but yeah, from there, I mean, I guess the first, I think the first band I ever played guitar for uh, was Regents with like, you know, Max Flum and like, Len- is it, his name is Lennon, right? Because I, I confuse him with my homie Leonard. Yeah. For some reason, his name. But yeah, so it was with them, and then, like, they they wanted to start this project called Heads Up, and I played guitar in there for a little bit. Um, and then from there, helped out Ian a bit at the beginning stages of Day by Day, and, like, Don't Bother Me. Mm-hmm. Um, but while I was playing those gigs with them, I was also, I think I started gigging with kids was at the age of 20. I just moved back from Rhode Island, mm-hmm. and that's been, like, that's been the stressful one, dude, because, like, it's you, it's indie rock, and, like, I think the indie rock industry is so cutthroat and, like, in a way superficial, in a way not. And, yeah. Um, so that one's been the most challenging. But, you know, we got picked up by Tooth & Nail after a couple of years of busting our asses off, and uh, the release for our new record has been pretty, pretty dope. Uh, the streams have been great, so just grateful for that yeah i mean especially it's i imagine it's hard to be releasing a record right now especially one that's been kind of taking so long to uh 
to make? Because you guys have been working on it for a while. Yeah, and not only that, it's just like this is like our debut baby in a way. Yeah. So it was like a lot of concern in like, fuck, are we gonna like, is this gonna be like our pandemic record? Because I feel like right now in the music industry, I think after 2020, like people are gonna know that this era is like, I guess the pandemic era. Yeah. But like, I wonder how many records are being put out. You know, you've seen it, like records come out, like, are they gonna be forgotten? Like, whenever touring happens again, are people gonna even play tracks from these records? Or are people right. gonna be releasing new records next year? Like, how long are the sets gonna be from now on? Like three hours? Is everyone gonna <laughs> catch up? You know, kind of thing? So like, it was like, at least for me, it was a bit concerning. The back of my mind was like, was hoping that this record were not just like falling to deaf ears and like just be like a pandemic record. But it's, I mean, the people have been loving it. So it's been proving, I've been proven wrong on that. Like, I think that concern is no longer existent. Yeah. Just because of the amount of love that the record has been receiving here and overseas. Well, yeah. And it's also, I want to think of uh, pandemic time as the time where everyone's writing music right now and not releasing anything for a while. Because I yeah. feel like perfect time everyone can release their best record yeah dude i feel like pandemic time i will never forget it's the time that everybody got into politics and it's working on new stuff (laughs) everyone is about to be rage against the machine (laughs) dude i kid you not (laughs) um so tell me about what was your first touring experience in a band oh god so I mean, at the time, it was cool. Like, yeah, sleep on a couch, sleep on a floor, and, like, eat pizza, Taco Bell every night, and, like, <laughs> run it, you know? Uh, but I think I think I'm definitely feeling the consequences of that now. Uh, it's, to the, it's to the point that I think the thought of me sleeping on a hard floor or just eating, like, Taco Bell for, like, three days straight just, like, pains me. Yeah. So I think, like... I think at first it was like, hell yeah, I'm like blowing down. This is sick. Like I don't sm- I don't mind smelling like sweat from three days ago to ne- to like, oh man, I kind of, as soon as I get to the venue, I have to like sink shower or something. I don't yeah. Know. I mean, I feel like that's but what the everyone else was. The experience was weird. Yeah. I feel it like you put your time in, but then at some point it's like, you can only do it for yeah. so long. Yeah, dude, you can only do it for so long. I mean, I, I'm for sure. I mean, call me, call me a dweeb for like being like that. But hey, man, like I just my back like hurts, bro. I feel like it's worth it. If the shows are good, but if you're playing like a tour where one show is good every five days, it's that's the only time. It's like okay, this dude, is dude. It's like all right. So perfect example. My my first big full US tour with the kids. It was, uh, I think, out of, like, the whole full U.S. tour. I think we played, like, four really good shows. At the time, we would consider them really good shows. But then the rest of them was, like, might as well play to the sound guy. Uh-huh. And I think that was when, like, that was my first big experience of tour. And I was like, oh, wow. So that's that's what tour is like. <laughs> <laughs> we hit a buck. And I was like, oh, wow. This is, I'm like. You hit I a buck? Like, right like as in deer? Yeah, dude, we hit an eight-point buck. Dude. Where? In Minnesota. I think Minneapolis, I think it was. Yeah. <laughs> Who dude, was I was so scared, man. He was like, I thought we were going to die. It was like almost spun out of control. It was crazy. I mean, yeah, you hit a buck, an eight-point buck. 
yeah man dude it was it was one of those and i was just like eh, i guess touring is like definitely not what mtv showed me <laughs> well so i mean with kids like obviously that's still going on but obviously touring's on hold but you know seeing as how you started out freelance and there was a struggle at first especially you know like as far as how long I've known you and understanding your advocacy in mental health. What was it like when you kind of started feeling the, like the momentum starting to pick up and you were like, really just like really, you know, feeling like over, like not overly confident, but just feeling like you were finally like at that point. I mean, I guess like in freelance, you don't necessarily always like always feel like you're at that point because i feel like it's always up and down but i mean going from where you yeah. started at the beginning where it was like i mean there were a couple times where you were in some you know in some shit you know i know we had a lot of conversations yeah. where you're like i don't know what to do and then it was like everything started to pick up and i felt like not even over like it's not like you were overnight success but it was like wow i got this project and i got this project and then i was like i'm moving to la <laughs> Yeah. Oh, dude, it was a uh, so mental health wise, I didn't really I, I'm going to be flat out honest. I mean, even like when we did that collaboration when I had got worked on that collaboration with Deeply on that shirt, it was mm-hmm. uh and I mean, I remember you and I talked about it. That was like right after Sporty and Rich, that was after doing the first flyers for So Super Sam's NTS Radio. And to me, those were like the big W's, right? Like Mm-hmm. Those like were you know oh my god I got to work with Emily I got to work with with Sam, but whenever I got to work with deeply I think it was bigger just because I was part of that community. Yeah, um, I was a resident in Orlando, and I realized for the longest time I didn't really enjoy any of the successes at the beginning of my career, just because I had like this I had this level of imposter syndrome, uh-huh. and essentially what it what imposter syndrome is, is like, it's hard for you to measure your successes because you're so busy either comparing yourself to others or just yeah. critiquing your work to, to the bone, to the point that you don't see anything positive in it. Yeah. And uh, I think like the first two and a half years of my freelance, it's so hard for me to remember them because of that. I was just so focused on like the negative side of it. Like, knowing that like I knew where my taste was, but in my mind, my execution wasn't really fully there. Yeah. So it was just, it was all a blur, just like trying to create as many mental health posters to remind mm-hmm. myself not to beat myself up that much. And uh, until I got Gambino. <laughs> right. Uh, and even like Gambino, I remember it was because, oh, shit, yeah, I was coming out to L.A. because I was told that I was going to have a job assisting in this, like, show for Amazon or whatever, mm-hmm. creating, like, designs for it. And then once I got here, the gig only, only ended up lasting a week and a half. <laughs> oh, man, I, honestly, I, was told, like, I forgot about this whole ordeal. Wow. Dude, me too. <laughs> <laughs> that was, dude, that was I, a really wild time. Yeah, you remember, I called you, I was like, yeah, man, I'm flying to L.A., like, tomorrow, or, like, I think it was three days later or some shit like that. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, and, and it was while I was in Long Beach during that time that I got to link up with my really good friend, Leonard, 
you know, who works with the Gambino camp. And mm -hmm. that's when we really, the conversation about creating the Coachella piece started happening. And then uh, I remember at the time I was like, shit, fuck yeah. Like I finally like feel like I'm going to start making myself a name out here in the West Coast. Um, I had done the 143 Thanksgiving thing and I was like, fuck yeah. And then I had to fly back to write a record. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that was like an insane time. Cause it's like, yeah. you were just back and forth and it was like on the drop of a dime. I think there was even one time where you came back and you were home and then it was like, you got another phone call and you were gone like the next day. <laughs> yeah, dude. I, I, yeah. I remember that day that I was in Florida for, I think 12 hours. And then yeah. I was like gone. Well, and then um, you were like gonna move out there, and then it fell through, and then you were like, "Okay, okay, I'm I'm moving out. I'm like actually moving out now." Yeah. So when when I tried the first time, I was not getting approved for any of the rooms I wanted to rent it out here, just because uh -huh. the, the credit check here is essentially you just have to be fucking spot on perfect or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um. So that fell through at the time, but uh, luckily, I started dating my girlfriend Kelly which, you know, we've been dating for more than a year now. Ooh. Shout out, Kelly. Shout out, Kelly. Um, but then, yeah, then I, it all just aligned. Her roommate was going to move out, and I really want to make the plunge out here. So it was just like, fuck it. Like, talk about, like, stars aligning. Yeah, I mean. It worked out. I mean, it did, because ever since you've been out there, the ball hasn't stopped rolling, huh? No, yeah, dude, it's been insane. So, <laughs> I'm just well, grateful. And like, you know, it's like, you know me, I like really enjoy the playground out here just because <laughs> like you're able to like, you know, source garments and like just fuck around with weird shit. And for some reason doing weird stuff here, people notice it more than if you were to do weird stuff in Florida. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I can at least try to sell someone something weird here than me trying to sell something to like a 50 year old conservative in Florida. <laughs> so yeah oh boy <laughs> little do they know they're buying garments from a little hispanic kid uh-huh <laughs> <laughs> um well so how wait how long have you been in california now dude i've been here for nine months and you're still you're still like technically a freelancer right or are you yeah. work, you're not are you not yeah. you're not working with an agency anymore no, so I am complete. I've been completely freelance since uh, since last year. Yeah, I, I wasn't really working for an agency. I was just doing contractor gigs for for agencies that needed it at the time. Yeah, and uh, I did. You know, I did the contractor work, contractor work for Dreamville's apparel, and like, uh, and yeah. So I, I usually just get hired as a contractor, and then we, you know we just go from there. I just think it's better. And if mm -hmm. they were to try to put me into a, their payroll. Yeah. And also just because of the bad experiences I've had with previous agencies, uh, I just rather not deal with the exclusivity side of things. Yeah. I mean, it seems, I, I feel like, well, that's kind of what I'm going to get into is like, how would you like describe if someone's like a good artist or good creative and they want to start like freelancing. How do you, how do you like, I mean, I feel like this answer is always going to um, depend on the person you ask, because I feel like some people will just put out one project and then it's like, they're yeah. like, how would you, how would you describe it to someone that's like just wanting to get into the creative landscape? Like 
what would be like, what would be the, the, the advice that you would want to get back when you started? Yeah. So, uh, the advice that I always share with people is essentially my story of how I started just because every creative has a different journey or a different path. Mm-hmm. You know, some people, they blow up after two projects. Some people blow up after four years in the industry. Some people don't even blow up until like 10 years later. So it's kind of like everybody peaks and everybody blossoms in different stages of life. And you can't really put like an age or a time frame on it. So what I tell people is just like the way that it worked for me was I try to absorb as much as I could when I first got into the whole creative field. Mm-hmm. I mean, even as a key grip, you know, keep grip, you're just a body, you're moving C-stands, you're setting up lighting and like, you're just like overhearing the directors and photographers like talk about like composition and like, I mean, I don't know, freaking all these terms. So like, it was just kind of like absorbing all of that. And then like in the after hours when I was teaching myself design, how do I apply some of those like things that I was overhearing into design itself like mm-hmm. maybe it's in a, in a way I treated layouts or the type treatments or like the colors or whatever it was but I started off with doing my full-time gig which was my full-time job and then working on my creative side of things and I didn't realize that it, I, I was good to freelance until like in a way my freelance was outweighing my full-time job yeah even though the agency did go under if anything the agency going under is what pushed me to fully commit to freelance well yeah and some people don't work that way some people rather just jump jump into the deep end and just you know sink or swim Mm -hmm. other people like me rather have like a little safety net for a while and then take the full plunge so the advice i would tell someone is just try to figure out what you want to do early on so you can really hone in on that craft and work on it so you can start pitching yourself to people yeah well i was even going to say I, I actually now that you bring it up is like i really do remember right before that agency went under you were like telling me like i think i'm gonna have to go like full freelance with design so i feel like it's it's like one of those divine interventions that like <laughs> you yeah. were you were putting it out there that like ah, i think i'm gonna get into full freelance and then it's like you went to the meeting and they're over a cup of coffee. You're like, well, business is done. So you guys are, uh, you guys are fired. Yeah. <laughs> so essentially, yeah, I got, we got fired over a cup of coffee. Yeah. That's, I mean, awesome. at least they bought you a cup of coffee, but I mean, yeah. Cause it was I, feel a like, too. I know <laughs> the irony, man, but yeah, cause I feel like that's Shout what I'm, I'm going through is like, I'm going through my own imposter syndrome where like, I'm constantly like, I finally got into it where I was like, I don't think it was until like the last like four months or so that I like finally figured out that like, I don't care about, you know, like I see people who are like, have been only taking photos for like a year and they're getting like steady work and like making money. And yeah, I remember just being like, wow, this is annoying. Cause like all they do is take low quality photos and, you know, layer it with a bunch of like effects and stuff. And then like the more I would start watching movies and the more I start understanding more about like style and like what I like in cinematography, I'm like, why don't I just do that in photos? Like, cause everyone wants, exactly. to edit, everyone wants to edit their photos and do this or do that. And like, 
I feel like it's actually kind of funny and I'm not knocking anyone that does this, but I'll see pictures from shows and I'll always, I I've come to the point now to getting confused as a, cause like before it used to be able to, I used to be able to pick out pretty much like the core photographers within like the hardcore scene. Like, mm-hmm. had, um, I believe that's how you say his name. He was a photographer out in, or he is a photographer out in California. He had these like crazy, awesome, like super high detail, like, super sharp images that were always different sort of tones. Angela Owens is like one of the greatest, like black and white photographers and yeah, yeah. her photography is insane. Unreal. And it's like, you know, even Malene like here in Florida. And then it was like, I came on and I was like, all right, I'm just going to like do my own thing. But then it's like, I've been seeing people now. There's like a, there's a specific style now. It's like these like over matted, like, kind of I suppose dramatic shots and like I started seeing all that in like my explore page and I'm like this is all the same stuff and it's like it's great if that's like you know I can't knock anyone for having a vision and like wanting their visuals to look a certain way and that's like but I'm like just at the point where I'm like I'm not gonna like I want I want my photos to be like in camera don't need to edit them and like I can just push them out whenever I want and so that's what I've been just spending all this time doing is like you know, I listen to Roger Deakins podcast like every week now. I'm like just digesting all that information with different cinematographers and understanding like composition and lighting and like, yeah, I feel like the creative landscape right now is going to get really crazy too. Cause everyone's going to be in court. I mean, I've already seen it like a lot in quarantine where everyone's like starting to like, you know, yeah. hone in I on mean, this stuff. In a way it's like similar to the one thing that I can connect with that is like similar to when, uh, when I was working on a lot of like mental health awareness posters mm-hmm. for myself, like at that time, mental health wasn't really a topic that was really talked about. <laughs> and, uh, and like once those, I mean, once I felt like those posters were coming out, coming out, like out mm-hmm. of nowhere, I think like it was a year, a year after that, dude, like creating a mental health poster was like, in a way, like the trendy thing to do. Like there was a lot of like, like there's just the hashtags were crazy you know right i was like damn if it's really about it like why do you have to hashtag it so crazy yeah. uh, you know it was like let you know let it be natural or whatever it was but then again i got i, I can get proven guilty too in a way because at a point i was like damn man i need to get more traction so i need to freaking find a way to hashtag things yeah so it, it you know the creative world will move and people will want to pick up things. And I do think like the genuine stuff will outlast the temporary. Like mm-hmm. I think when people have the right heart and the right passion for it, it'll, it'll stick, you know? Yeah. I mean, yeah, like I said, I don't knock anyone for doing it because like, if it makes you money, good on you. You know what I mean? It's like, and if it gets exactly. you like, I'm not going to knock that stuff, but sometimes it's just like, <laughs> It's just like, I feel like people need to spend more time. Cause I mean, I feel like a lot of people will get into photography or things like that because they see someone else doing it and they want to do that. So it's like, cause I know when I yeah. started, I saw someone else doing it and I was like, this is what I want to do. So for years I was doing like what they were doing. And then it wasn't until like, it wasn't even until I bought my Sony that I like really understood like, okay, like I want this is what I want my stuff to look like. I want it to be very unique. I want someone to be able to see this photo out of like a lineup of 30 photos and be able to say, okay, David, you know, took this photo or 
Exactly. Have your identity, your fingerprint. Yeah, exactly. So, um, I mean, like, also, we're in an internet world, dude. So, like, social media, it's like, I compare it. I think, you know how people always talk about fast fashion, how, like, the industry is just able to pump out shit and do all these crazy things? Yeah. I think when it comes to creatives, it's essentially the same thing. Yeah. Like, it's one of those things that, oh, shit, someone just made a poster, like, I love how they did it. Let me take a stab at it. Or, you know, like people tend to do that or, you know what? I am going to make a poster today. And then you immediately do a poster. Like when you think about it, it is such a fast moving world that like mm-hmm. you just can't help but like just dish out stuff. Well, yeah. I mean, and, like, I'm, I, yeah. I'm not, I don't mean to cut you off, but I was just, I was trying to bring up that story. Remember when I told you about what happened to my buddy, Zach? Which ones? Zach Smith. We have a lot of stories. Zach Smith. (laughs) The one, so for podcast sake, um, my friend Zach Smith, he's a a designer. I grew up with him in New Smyrna and now he's like a huge corp. Like he does, he's a. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. So uh, I'm trying to describe this for people listening is if you go on Etsy and look up any sort of like quote unquote adventurous art, like art things so you'll find like people painted like typography on boards and like probably on like uh materials like saws um and this is like this isn't even like it's going to be hard for people to understand but my friend zach is the one who kind of pioneered that design that design style of like you know adventures quotes on like yeah uh, do like table saws and like um yeah things like that and it was at first like huge like he was like cranking them out like he couldn't even like he really couldn't get enough time down to even go out and shop for saws because like he had so much work going on and then he like started finding and this was like right around when etsy was like starting to really get bigger he started finding people just completely ripping him like because he's a type of does typography like he you know he did like a uh i think a bank of america campaign he just did the nature's valley um rebranding so like he was starting to build up like and this was right when he uh he actually dropped out of i think he he dropped out of um college and he was like i'm just gonna start designing and that's what he did and then he would like be like dude i can't buy saws anymore because people are just buying them and prices are going up so he had he like eventually just stopped doing it and now if you go through etsy you're gonna find like hundreds of things that all look the same and it's basically because of him which is a very funny thing to think about but like it's going along with what you're saying is like fast fashion but people will start picking up on that starting to like pick up on people's style because i think this is yeah a good lead into uh, what happened to you today that you you wanted to talk about. Uh, I guess this is the official exclusive interview about this. This is the full TMZ exclusive. As I announced my stepping away from Instagram for a week. (laughs) Dude. All right. So I, I mean, I've been just a little background of like what I've been doing lately is I've been creative directing artists and music projects including the band that I'm in. Um, so I've been on retainer with some of like the, like some really good people. I've been working on some really dope projects, like shout out for an air, shout out Iron Tom. You know, I've been wor- working with Gabriel Conte and like all these super dope artists that have let me like really 
expand a different approach to music packaging and album arts and all this shit. Mm-hmm. Um, so I got hit up by a homie uh, a couple months back. I think it was like March, like mid early March. Um, fuck it, man. I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> uh, the manager for Marshmallow posted a thing on his on his Instagram story, and it it went along with like looking for dope designers, some some crap like that, dude. Some along along those lines. So my buddy sent me his his story and he's like, yo, I think you'd be dope if you take a stab at this. And I was like, oh sure. You know, so I DM the guy some of my work. Mm-hmm. And his response was like, well what, you know, we're looking for someone to design more lifestyle, not just like merchandise for marshmallow. <clears throat> so I was like, all right, cool, man. Like this is what I've done. This is what I do for clients, dude. Yo, I sent him receipts and the whole thing. I was like, what would you do for marshmallow? <laughs> and I'm like, okay, dude, like I just sent you this, this, and that. And so then he he says, you know, can you send some ideas? And I was like, all right. At the moment, I was just like, cool, like this is it, you know, like I'm gonna make some. Hold on, this is hella loud. <laughs> um, I think they're listening. Um, it's marshmallow's but, crew, dude. Dude. <laughs> He has fucking microphones everywhere. Uh, so, yeah. So then I built this mood board with a... Because at this point, it, was ju- it wasn't just designs or like... Con- it was like a whole brand direction. Yeah. So I was like, all right. Brand direction is what they want. I'm going to send them, you know, some mood boards. So I built the mood board with like an, an idea of like... You know, when you're looking at EDM, like artists and all their graphics, like... You can definitely see how you can stand out if you, if you, you know, reeled back on the colorful pop things and just did more like type treatment layout, you know, designs to it and like grab more 80s influences. So some of the references were like Talking Heads Japanese posters and all these things. So I sent that mood board out, right? And from there, he's like, can you send some ideas? So I'm like, fuck, like, sure. Like, I really wanted to get Marshmallow as a client. That would be a really good thing to have under my belt. I didn't really think about the fact that I should, like, one, like, mock up a contract or, like, talk payments, none of that stuff. So I just mocked up this whole, essentially, like, campaign of, like, from, like, how the banners should look to how, like, tour flyers should look to how, like, the new approach, the merchandise would make sense and, like, how to connect it to the album art. So, like, it was the whole full campaign of, like, this designs concept, storytelling. It was essentially storytelling. And I believe I sent you the PDF for that. And, no, you uh, didn't send me the PDF. You just um, – no, you didn't send me the PDF for that one. I just saw what you posted. I'll, I'll send it to you after this. Thank God. Yeah. Actually, should I send it to you now? Yeah. You can send it to me whenever. You don't have to send it to me now. Finish the fucking story. I'll send story. it to you after this. But, uh, the, people, the people are sitting here like, God damn. This is really just edge of my seat. So I sent you, I sent the mock-up, dude. The brand direction deck, boom, uh-huh. sent it. He responds with, all right, man, can't wait to look this over. Thank you, brother. <laughs> he called me brother, bro. I was like, this is it. There's a connection. I feel like. I feel like Marshmallow is my gig, boy. Dude. I was like, dude, he knows I've worked for Gambino. This has to be it. Yeah. Um. I never hear from them, <laughs> ever. 
Uh, to the point that Matthew, my best friend slash manager, is going like, yo, have you checked up on like this whole marshmallow thing? And I was like, nah, man, like I'm not that kind of guy. I don't know. It feels weird to check up on like, yo, have you seen the deck I sent you or whatever? Because mm-hmm. I knew they saw it. I knew they saw it. Um, so today, you know, I wake up, brush my teeth, shower, get to the warehouse. I'm chilling. I'm currently practicing chain stitching. So I'm doing that. And then I get a message from the homie that connected me with him. And he was like, yo, did you do this cover for a marshmallow? Oh, boy. And then I open it up, and it's just, like, completely in in the realm of, like, where I would have taken them. Mm-hmm. Definitely, I would have, like, executed it differently. But I think, and I'm not here to say that, like, the design of the artwork is trash or none of that stuff. Like, no, I respect that whoever did it, like, kudos to you, dude. You killed it. I think what really bugs me is the fact that my time was wasted and the fact that I really spent the time connecting the dots and like really thinking of a brand direction for this mm-hmm. massive artist for them not to have the decency to just like, yo, we're not going to roll with you, but we love the concept. Right. I don't know, man. Like throw a bone there. I don't know. Give give credit for that or like acknowledge the fact that you like the deck right but it wasn't even that you know so like at this you know the whole entirety of today is people like i remember getting that message and getting so freaking pissed off that the first thing i did was just i don't like adding people just because Mm -hmm. i don't believe that solves anything so all i did was just take pictures of the deck and take pictures of the date whenever i exported the deck so i can send it to him yeah. And, let, and let the people decide, you know, what is yeah. what. Because I don't get anything out of, like, adding him and, like, you know, disrespecting mm-hmm. him. Like, no, man, this was someone's work, whether it was in his camp or not. Like, so kudos to that person. Like, I'm glad you did it. Well, I also feel like, because it wasn't even, like, I mean, I never understood design stuff before I met you. Because, you know, when you see stuff, when you see designs in general, you're just like, oh, that's cool. But it's like when you know someone that explains it to you and they're like, because I, I, I specifically think of the Childish Gambino thing you did for um, Bonnaroo and like how in yeah. literal, um, you know, piece of art that you made for it and like each shirt design, it everything had a tie back to either a specific song or like some reference. And it was like even little details in it that like you, some of the stuff you had to explain to me that I didn't even pick up on. And I was like, dude, this is, this is awesome. You know what I mean? So it's like, yeah, for you to sit there and go through all that and like, be like, yeah, this is like how it, you know, ties back to this. And this is why I think it's cool. And, and then it's like for them to just pass it on to someone else, like, this is what we want to do, you know, just, you know, just give us something. So, I mean, I feel like people don't understand. I've, well, after like talking, talking to my friend Tucker is like understanding how each industry is just like has its you know sharks just swimming around just trying yeah. to like pick up stuff and it's like it's really sad and like annoying but what are you gonna do man it's like it, I, it comes with it you know it's it's the name of the game like the one thing that i've learned and like you know like people will try to tell me or will try to tell you too like oh man like la is like doggy dog out there man there's no it's everyone trying to like fuck each other. False. 
Like, yeah. if anything, the, the circle of people that I've met here have been the most beautiful souls, like mm-hmm. genuine people that want to watch you grow, you know? Yeah. There's those circles anywhere, you know? I had mm-hmm. that circle in Orlando. I had that circle in, I have that circle in Orlando and South Florida, you know? Yeah. So it's beautiful that I have one here. Um, but I think, like, to, to build up on what you said, like, when it comes to design, there's there's a lot of dope design out there. There's a lot of people that will sell you their texture packages online and it's super sick. There's not a lot of genuine design, like storytelling design, like right. design with, with a story behind it, like Easter eggs and all these things. There's not much of that. And I I love to move in the realm of that. Mm-hmm. The Easter eggs one, the one that actually makes you really think and work to really understand the story. So I think, like you were saying, like, that's why it hit me so hard was the fact that I actually spent the time telling the story of mm-hmm. this artist and pitching that for that to just be in vain, you know, like just completely ignored. Like yeah. just in my, in my mind to that camp, they just saw it as just another design, you know, right. they didn't see it as story. And to be honest, if that's how they view things that they don't deserve good designers. Right. They don't deserve creative people. But they it's like, just yeah, do their it's, shit on PowerPoint and call it a day. <laughs> Adobe Spark. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the other thing is like, you know, I've been trying to do freelance, obviously. I've said that. But I've been on Upwork like every single day submitting proposals. And my cover letter is always like I do like I do as much research on what it is that they want as a job. And so like I apply yeah. for I applied for a job for like an outdoor product company that wanted like product photos. And in the cover letter, I explained to him like, Hey, like I did a three day backpacking trip in uh, Yosemite. And like, I have like a lot of experience in outdoor stuff, but like I have a lot more experience in understanding outdoor product. And like, if you tell me exactly like what you want with your, or what, like what you specialize in with your company. And they emailed me back and were like, cause I sent them a press packet of like, or not a press packet, but just like a packet of like my, uh, um, like, uh, test photos or whatever you like, whatever you want to call it of like stage photos from Yosemite being like, this is how I highlighted this. This is how I highlighted that. This is what I would do with your products. And they emailed yeah. me, obviously this is a perfect fit. Um, let's talk payment. Um, we want to do like, uh, just expl- like break it down to him. And I broke down the payment and I was explaining to him, I was like, you know, if you want this, it's going to be this much. If you want this, it's going to be this much. And then they like, first of all, spent three days to res- like, they immediately responded to something before I had given the talk to him about payment. And then after I sent them the payment one, it took them two days to respond. And they were saying, yeah, that sounds good. Um, uh, as far as video work goes, uh, this is what we're looking for. And it was like, these like minute to two minute long videos of someone like building a tent basically with a model. And it was like a very like cinematic video. And I was like, Oh, okay. So this is my rate hourly for a video. And like, this includes editing. And they basically gave me the, well, we're a small business. Um, so it's kind of hard for us to, and I was like, (laughs) I was like, you guys are admitting that you love my work and like you see me as a great fit. But when I'm telling you, because I need to hire a model, I need to be out in the woods for at least two to three hours. I have to like find a spot. Like, what do you, like, I have to drive to the spot. Like I, you guys know, I live in Orlando. So it's like, <laughs> yeah. 
it's uh, dude i call those people i call those people uh people with gucci taste but with the walmart budget it's, yeah it's, it's just and it's crazy it's usually the people that have that mentality that end up being the toughest to work with right it's it's dude it's dedication you like it well, is what I it you, is remember i sent you the the really funny email i got about taking photos for that ghost tour oh yeah i thought for sure i was actually really nervous about that one so basically what happened was i i applied for an application for this ghost tour company here in downtown orlando where they wanted 15 photos of just specific landmarks so i applied for it they emailed me back with like a really weird email and it's like sending me a list of like basically coordinates to like these these places and then they want like specifically landscape photos only cannot do portrait style so and they needed it at night and they wanted spooky quote-unquote spooky um spooky looks light trails and stuff and i'm like seeing this and it was like you know a quick paying gig that i was like oh okay this is this is great but they wanted me to send them the photos before the payment. And I'm thinking in the back of my mind, like how many of my designing friends are like, how many of my creative friends have done something like this to where they get ripped off. And like, this is like my first real kind yeah. of like freelance photo job, like of the sort. And I was like, I basically asked them like, do you guys send a paint, like half a payment before? And like, no, we'll send it all to you. Like once you send me the photo. So I was like, okay. Mm. And I'm thinking like, they're not going to like my pictures. Like how many times I'm going to have to redo it. I sent them just the unedited photos and immediately got a response like, this is great. Can't wait to see the edits. And I was like, all right, this is weird. So then I went out and I went and edited the photos, like how they wanted it, like dark and quote unquote spooky. And I have to say specifically because that's what it said in the email. It was a lot of spooky in there, which was so funny. And then I edited it and um, sent it back to them. And I even forgot like two photos and they just immediately sent the payment. And I was like, no way like no way that this this works so well and i was like i guess it's just the luck of the draw man you, you know but i mean like even Dude, for someone like it works you, out sometimes it doesn't man sometimes the weirdest gigs are you know the funniest ones and the ones that paid the fastest yeah but it's also like i feel like a lot of people see designers or things and then when you tell them their your rate obviously this is going with any sort of industry like this that it's like Eh, or they'll ghost you and it's like this is why though it's like the rates are yeah. this way not only because i'm putting all this time into it but it's because people have people with giant budgets that can afford to pay me won't pay me and steal my ideas yeah or like dude it's so sometimes i think the problem with people is like did they see design they're like oh what what it's not hard for you all you have right. to do is open up illustrator or photoshop and you just tweak it once well if it isn't so hard why don't you try doing it yourself Right. Oh, it takes you so long to make those changes? Right. Well, I busted my ass off so I can make them either quick or make them really good for you. So, Let alone just paying the $20 a month for Adobe in general. Dude, freaking. <laughs> and that's the thing is like, what do you... I okay, hope Adobe you're gonna, hears this. Right, you're going to pay me 20 bucks for the job and it's like, okay, that's paying my one month of Adobe. So that's, and that's, that's only if you're... That's paying two whacks, not the full fucking family. Exactly. Like, if people don't get that stuff. Like, the amount of, like, same thing with, like, my camera stuff. It's like, I have all this camera gear, and it's like, it didn't just magically appear. It's not like you pay for, you know, you're paying for what you get. You want the photos or not. It's like, I've had yeah. too many of those on Upwork recently where it's like, I just had another email from someone that was, like, asking for me to take photos. Uh, they wanted 
50 individual photos of 50 different designs of like scarves, you know, for, um, for COVID stuff. Yeah. And they're asking me how much I would charge. And I broke down the charge. I was like, wait a second. Do you need, like, do you need a model? And do you need like, what specific model do you need? And I'm like, I could do this with a quick turnaround, but you know, like Hope what your budget. And after I asked them for the specifics, they just didn't email me back. And I was like, what, what do you, what was the point in that? Like you, like the whole email was like, we really like your style. Like you would be a perfect fit for this. Just, uh, here, take this. How much, how much do you need? And I'm like, well, I need the logistics of it. It's not just like go out and take like a couple photos. Dude. Oh, I like the world is the creative world is hilarious. Dude. I think all of us collectively should just collect all these stories. And I think it would be a really dope, like urban outfitters book makes so much money we could do it we could do it as a a round table like the uh, hollywood reporter does with the with a when they do like the directors and actors screw that dude we'll read the book like the like the chicks in the view bro the morning show i mean between everyone that i know in the creative world it's just so many stories going with people that constantly are asking for re-edits and what was the big project that you did that you submitted and they asked for like three revisions oh which one was it i don't know i wasn't i was it netflix i don't think it was netflix but i can't remember no it was um was it your first dreamville one no the dreamville gig was pretty smooth because all i had to do was just spread some designs all you had to do was um, steal some designs for someone else. Yeah, I'm trying to... <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know. I just remember that one was really funny because you were like, we were driving somewhere and you got the email. You sent them a revision and you were like, yeah, like they've been giving me a hard time. And then you got an email back asking to get on a conference call because they wanted to go over like something. And you got on the conference call and they basically just like didn't like anything. And you were like, what where do i take it from here like <laughs> oh my god this is all coming back to me do you remember i have such a good memory it's really funny doing these because any i feel like people who i interview that i remember all this stuff with they're like what the fuck man yeah man you have a crazy memory oh i think i do i do remember what it was um it wasn't netflix though oh it wasn't netflix uh i think it was like a dj oh my yeah i do remember now it was for a for a it was a flyer for a fest, for a disco festival in Prague. Yes. Yep. And then we hopped on a call, and I remember, yeah, because I I got pissed and I was at Lineage for fucking six hours. Yeah. And I remember I needed a, I got a lot of brew and all that stuff, and I, then I had a breakthrough was the next day. But yeah, <laughs> it was a disaster. We're mid drive, and I'm like, how the hell am I supposed to change the shit I'm driving? Yeah. That's a good shit. Well, yeah, man. I feel like that's a very good um, overview of the creative world. But I feel like, yeah, I feel like that's a good way to look at it because you've seen some shit. <laughs> dude, fucking dude. I think like when we're older, we're going to have so many stories to talk about. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm hoping once I start getting, I'm hoping my uh, my freelance stuff starts picking up so I can get into a lot of that. Dude, it's shall, bro. It's shall. <laughs> Hopefully, once COVID shuts down, I've been doing. I did a. Uh, I'm doing a uh, video shoot for a like uh, defense firm for the uh, some like internet defense 
system, but the guy is very funny. I know he's never mm-hmm. going to listen to this podcast so I can talk about it, but he's like, <laughs> he's mad Elon Musk. But it's funny Love because it. we're doing the shoot and it's only me and uh, one other camera guy in a conference in or not a conference center. It's like an auditorium, just uh-huh. the three of us. And he like has to pretend like he's talking to a whole audience, but he'll yeah. like, he'll unintentionally lock eyes with you for like a very long amount of time. And he just, I, I've been just staring at him anytime he looks at me, hoping I can get him to break. Jesus. <laughs> Which will go on my reel, my cinema reel one day. As a as a deep cut, dude. Deep cut. I like that. Well, all right. What are you working on right now? What's the What's the oh, projects in the pipeline, brother? Oh, the projects in the pipeline. Uh, we have I have that mental health sock dropping with Stance in October. Oh yeah, uh, dude. I forgot about that. I thought I thought it was coming yeah, out dude, later. Me too. Yeah, me. I guess they had a meeting and like they want to drop it for October now for it's Global good- Mental Health Awareness Month. I mean, it's a good time to do it. Everyone's struggling. Jesus. For real, dude. So that's happening. Uh, the Gambino gigs are picking up again. <clears throat> we are working on some really dope shit. And uh, just working on stuff for the artists that I'm working with. And Mauve Garçon, which is the, the brand that Matt and I have. Yeah. We're working on a winter drop. Yes, dude. That'll be happening uh, in around November. So, yeah, dude, just cooking up all this stuff and just excited for it. Well, do you have anything else to plug, brother? Um, Listen to the kids' record. Uh, believe in yourself. Love yourself. And, uh, yeah, make sure everyone who's listening to this podcast, you start prioritizing this time for yourselves. And make sure you're registered to vote. Yes, register to vote. Speak up. Fuck racism, right. fuck social injustice, you know, the Instagram oh. stories say it all. Yeah, screaming into the void, at least maybe. Maybe there's one Trump supporter that's going to be listening to this, like, should oh you, my God, should dude, you? Before we log off, uh oh, there was, I got the funniest, <laughs> I think the most honest DM in my entire life the other day. Was and it the one you sent me the screenshot of? Yeah, dude. Yeah. And yeah, I feel that's like I that I share with these people because I think we can end it on this. Yes, Someone yes. Someone yes. told me, Joe, you I love your work, but you're too liberal. <laughs> it was beautiful, man. It was the most beautiful DM. And I responded with like, well, I hope that you find someone whose artwork is similar to mine and way more conservative and Trump supporter. <laughs> <laughs> Just speak the truth on it. People Hey man, he liked he liked the message, so I think he, he took it well. People want stuff to look at, but they don't want to listen to people talk. That's like I love so I only follow like uh I only follow two celebrities on Instagram and it's Josh Brolin and The Rock. And anytime Josh Brolin <laughs> posts something um like talking about like the current state of things, people the amount of comments that are just like stick to acting. Don't even talk. Don't pull this Ooh. political bullshit. And he responds to like yep. every single one of them. Like, but I think wait, wait, wait. All right, before before we end, did you see um, the person that like uh, what was it? Oh man, it's gonna it's not gonna sound good on the podcast, but I'm still gonna say it anyways. It was someone I think responded to Tom Morello and told him to um, or no, it was someone posting about Rage Against Machine. Like someone had posted uh, a, like a live set of Rage Against Machine or someone and. Um, Someone responded saying, uh, 
they need to stop talking about politics. It was, it was a Tom Morello post. Tom Morello posted about it and said he needs to stop uh, talking about politics and just keep making music. And everyone was like, what the fuck? Like you're a Rage Against the Machine fan, but have you just never listened to the lyrics? Yo, that just makes no sense. Yeah, it was awesome. It's not going to, this isn't going to translate well to, uh, to, to the podcast, but if anyone else saw that tweet, I'm sure you understand what I'm saying. Uh, and if not, I'm sorry. Uh, but don't leave me a bad review of it, please. Please, for the love of God. Yeah, five star only. Five star only and follow Ice T on Twitter. <laughs> okay, that's a really good shout out. All right, I'm going to hang up, but then I'm still going to keep talking to you, okay? All right, brother. Okay. Yeah, usually I don't say anything at the end, but uh, I just want to follow up and say thanks for listening to the podcast. Um, but also, pretty crazy story, huh? To hear that someone, uh, an artist as big as Marshmello or Demi Lovato, kind of does stuff like that. And as Christian said, and you know, I think it's important to say that maybe they didn't know this was going on. However, if you're your own artist and you have a team working for you, you should always know what your team's doing. Uh, you should always ask questions and. You know, Christian's in direct contact with Marshmallow's manager, and there's kind of no excuse to just leave him high and dry and not pay him or just ghost him. Um, to have someone move and do all that work for nothing is kind of crazy, especially in the time of what's going on in the world and the pandemic and everyone literally struggling to, you know, get pennies together and live. It's kind of insane. Uh, so anyways, I'm interested to hear if anyone has any um, guests they'd like to hear or people within the industry that they're interested in hearing from. I have a good handful of people still uh, that I'm going to be interviewing. I won't say who's next because it's always up in the air. It just depends on everyone's schedules, but uh, a lot of drummers because I, those are the people I know the most of. Uh, So a lot of that. Yeah. Thanks for listening. I guess rate, subscribe, share, Uh, yeah, that's it, man. All right. Well, bye.